Thank you for being here tonight. I'm sure glad to see you, appreciate you. As been mentioned, if you traveled long distance to be here, we're sure glad that you did. We've been enjoying this week so far and can't wait to talk to you again tonight about God's words. We continue our series of studies on Old Testament characters who teach us New Testament Christian principles. And if you didn't get enough Hannah last night, then you're in for a treat because we're going to talk more about Hannah tonight. And you can't really talk about Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2 without comparing it and looking at Mary's prayer in the New Testament. When Samuel was born, Hannah prayed a prayer of thanksgiving and rejoicing and glorying to God because of her circumstance. Mary prayed a very similar prayer when she was expecting Jesus. When we examine these prayers and see the similarities and the things that these women in their time of excitement and their time of joy and their time of gratefulness to God prayed to God, we see so much about the nature of God. We see about the way that we need to interact with God and the relationship that we should have with God, how to praise Him, how to truly from our heart praise and glorify God. There's so much we can learn. I'm really excited to talk about it. You know, we talked about Hannah. We talked about her story. And Mary, we're hopefully pretty familiar with her as well. She was betrothed to Joseph, a carpenter who lives in, lived in Nazareth. The angel Gabriel came to her and told her that she was going to bear a son who she would call Jesus. And he would be one who would sit on the throne of David, Gabriel said. And Mary said, well, how can that be? Because she was a virgin, so she didn't understand how that could happen. How was that possible? And Gabriel said that the child would be conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit, and therefore he would be called the Son of God. And around that time, she went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth, and they greeted each other, and then she prayed this beautiful prayer, which we're going to talk about and we're going to study today. But I want you to imagine these two women. Imagine the experience that they're going through. Hannah, who longed so much for a child and finally received the fruition of her promise. And she said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my request. And then she praises God and glorifies Him. She was so devoted to God and had such a desire to glorify Him, and she did so in that prayer. And she knew that God had given her that request, and I'm sure that she had great expectations for Samuel, that Samuel would do many things to the glory of God, and certainly Samuel did. By the same token, Mary knew that her child was going to do great things, knew that he was the Son of God, and he, she had great expectations for him as well. Imagine being in their shoes and realizing that this child that, we're, that you're going to have is going to be one who's going to bring great glory to God and who's going to do so much for the kingdom of God. How would that make you react? What would you do in that situation? We'll see their reaction, and I think it's just beautiful. When you look at these two prayers, there are remarkable similarities. But we need to keep in mind that they're praying from two different points in Israel's history. Hannah is praying in a time about 1,100 years before the time of Jesus, before there were even kings in Israel, and they were still in the time of Judges. The kingdom of Israel had not really been established in that way, at least not a, a kingdom because there was no king. God was their king. And so it was kind of new, and it was relatively new in, in that time. And so when she talks about God winning victory over his people, she had some history to draw upon. But to me, it's kind of like she's looking forward to what's going to be happening in the future. So if this is Hannah, she uses her situation 
and the example of what she went through and how Peninnah mocked her and how God granted her request to expand upon that and look forward towards the history of Israel and all the good things that God would do for his people. So she's got a limited perspective, but she looks forward toward what's going to happen. Mary, on the other hand, had the benefit of having lived for a thousand years, 1,100 years later after Hannah, and she saw all that had happened to Israel. She saw how Israel had at times been great. We talked about Solomon and how great this kingdom was and how, how amazing and, and how it glorified God because of the prosperity in Israel. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. In times when people would turn to God and repent and serve Him, the kingdom prospered. Other times when they didn't serve God, the kingdom started to become weakened. And over the series of time, other nations and empires came and took over the land, took over the region. And she'd seen the oppression of God's people. She saw the history of them being carried away into captivity and then being allowed to return and all the things that have happened. And so she has a perspective that she's looking on Israel's history and now she's coming to a point where God's Messiah is coming and she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. The focal point of all history. What an amazing thing. She has that perspective and she sees and she recognizes that when she prays these prayers. Hannah's is forward-looking. and Mary looks back and recognizes that the fruition of God's glory and kingdom was finally coming in the person of Jesus Christ. And so understanding that perspective of where these two women were and where they were looking at the history of Israel will help us understand what they meant when they prayed the things in their prayers. And the font is small, but if you'd like to turn along with me in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we'll read Hannah's prayer first. It says, and Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are guarded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes rich and uh, makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and He has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of His saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness." For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Powerful prayer from this devout woman of faith and trust in God and, and praise to him. And we're going to break it down in just a moment. But first, let's read Mary's prayer. In Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. 
He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Another powerful, powerful prayer from this, this amazing woman, Mary, who is expecting the Messiah to be born. And we see these, and we break these down, and we're going to do that in just a second. We're going to look at the similarities between these two prayers and see there's a lot of similarities. They prayed very similar things. One of the things that they both prayed was praise to God. Hannah said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Now Hannah, again, is using her particular situation where she had received the promise that, or she had received the fruition of the prayer that she had prayed to God. She had a child now. And she praised and glorified God because God allowed her to do that. And that is an example of those who trust in God being blessed by God and those who ridicule and mock those who serve God of not winning. Likewise, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior. For He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. So she said, I rejoice in God. God has blessed her in allowing her to be the mother of the Messiah and the mother of the one who is called the Son of God. And she glorifies and praises Him. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for what a great blessing He has blessed her with. Both women recognize the holiness of God. No one is holy like the Lord, says Hannah, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. And Mary simply says, and holy is His name. Do you ever stop and think about the holiness of God? What does it mean that God is holy? Holy is His name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. What does holy mean? What does the word even mean? It means sacred. It means set apart. It means pure and undefiled. There is no being in all of creation, all of existence, who is anywhere near like God in His perfection in His righteousness, in His power, in His mercy, in His love, in His goodness. Do we ever realize that and recognize and praise Him for that? We think about what God has done and just look at the stars and the universe and the things around us and realize all that was done by the hand of a holy and righteous God. And it's just amazing. And when you think about that, it just is overwhelming almost. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, which is not on the screen, but if you want to turn along with me, you can read that. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. I'll pull it up here in just a moment. It says here, starting in uh, verse 8 of Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your thoughts, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth. you ever think about how big and vast our universe is? They talk about billions of light years across, and that's just incredible distance that we can't even fathom and comprehend. And God says, as far as the stars, the most distant stars are from the earth, are my ways and my thoughts more than yours. We are so small. 
we are so insignificant compared to the great and glorious God. There is none like our God and like our Father, and yet He cares for us, and He loves us, and He does great and wonderful things for us. That should make us want to glorify and praise and just be in awe of Him, and that's what these women did. And it's a great example to us as well. One of the things they talk about is the nature of God caring for those who are lowly and those who are oppressed. God will have a reckoning on the proud and an exaltation of the oppressed and lowly. Think about the things that he talks about here. He talks, or she talks about here. Hannah talks about these reversals that are all too common, or very, so very common throughout history and throughout the Bible, and it so greatly shows us the nature of God, that He cares for those who are lowly, those who are oppressed. The barren is born seven. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low and lifts up. Those who exalt themselves against God will be brought low, and those who are humble and those who submit to God will be lifted up. We see that over and over and over again. And that just speaks to the majesty and love of our God. Just a few examples. Exodus 22, 22-24. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. A reversal. A father of fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. God cares for those who are in needy and those who are oppressed. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked He turns upside down. Another reversal. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. But He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up again and again. And I could fill every part of this wall with scriptures that tell us about God's nature of lifting up those who humble themselves, those who are oppressed, those who are lowly, and bringing down those who are haughty and those who are proud and those who resist God. That tells you something. If you look at that, if you study that, and that's powerful and that's important. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But God will have a reckoning on those who are proud. Mary says the same thing. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. What Hannah does in her prayer is she uses her particular situation, how Peninnah mocked her and Peninnah was against her. Peninnah represents those who are proud and those who are haughty and those who are enemies of God. Hannah was a devout woman, one who completely followed God, it seems. And so for Hannah to pray to God and for Him to grant her request shows that she was a devout woman and shows that God cared for her and God demonstrated His ability and inclination to exalt the lowly and those who are oppressed. And she uses that particular situation forward-looking to describe the nature of God. 
and how He helps those who are helpless. He is a wonderful, loving, merciful God. Mary recognizes this quality as well. Lowly Mary is now going to be blessed for all generations. Both women also pray and talk about God's triumph over evildoers and exaltation of His people. Hannah says He will guard the feet of His saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven He will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His king and exalt the horn of His anointed. So again, Hannah's individual situation translates to God's inclination and God's nature of caring for His people. Mary also says this, And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His seed forever. Hannah looks forward to those who might oppress Israel and says that He's going to exalt Israel if they turn to Him. That's the impression that I think we can get from this. And very interestingly, Notice how she's writing in future tense. She's speaking this in future tense. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. I'll try to use that like a pointer again. They'll be broken in pieces. From heaven are you thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He'll give strength to his king. He will do this. It shall be done. The Lord will do this. He will give strength to his king. All in future tense looking forward to what God is going to do for Israel. She even says he'll give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Who's the king? There was no king in the time of Hannah. So she was looking forward to the time when there would be a king. And in fact, it was Samuel who, ordained, who uh, anointed the first king, Saul. And later he anointed David. And so she's looking forward to what God is going to do. But Mary, on the other hand... It's here. It's happened. She has all the benefit of this history to look back on and see all the oppression of God's people and how God exalts them whenever they humble themselves and turn to Him. And how, what does the song say? Long laid the world in sin and darkness pining. And then comes Jesus. The fruition of all the promises that God had for Israel. And she even recognizes that. She looks at it from a spiritual perspective. She may not fully understand it, but she knows that now is the time where the Messiah is going to come and fulfill the promise to Abraham and to his seed forever. And she rejoices in this. Hannah looks forward to it happening and Mary is seeing it come to place, come to pass. What an amazing perspective. And they both say the exact same thing, basically. And there's so much we can learn from that. If you consider Hannah's words, you'll realize when we think about all that Hannah went through and how God granted her request, how important prayer is in general for each and every one of us and how God cares for us. If we humble ourselves before Him, if we cast our cares before Him, if we turn to Him, if we give all our problems over to Him, He cares for us. And He may not always grant the things that we want. Like we said last night, sometimes He may say no but we also know that God does listen to prayers, and prayers make a difference. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It makes a difference. We may not always be able to recognize, this is something we were talking about today at breakfast, 
we can't always recognize necessarily the providence of God and how He works and, and whether God directly intervenes today in our lives or not. You know, we don't always understand that, but we do know some things. We do know that He is the source of every good and perfect gift. Every good and, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Therefore, we can and should glorify God for all the good things that we have in our life. Whether God allowed those things to happen by time and chance, by setting the world in motion and coming to pass just because that's what happened, or whether or not God did that directly for us, we don't always know, but we always can glorify Him. And we always should glorify Him. And that doesn't mean, though, that we're always going to get everything that we want in this life. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to sometimes suffer difficulties and pain and sorrow. But there are certain things that God promises us both in this life and in the life to come. Things that we know that we can have even here and even now. Mark 10, 29 through 30, what does Jesus say? Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. We have blessings now from God. What a great blessing we have in having brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, and children. Maybe not by blood, but by something stronger, the blood of Jesus. And I think it's just a wonderful blessing. I've so much enjoyed spending time with you all this week and, and getting to know my brothers and sisters and mothers and, and fathers and, and children and people that I didn't know so well before, but now I feel so close to many of you and, and just really enjoyed it. And, and it's such a great blessing to go to places and know that we serve a common God and we have a common faith and we love the Lord and we have brothers and sisters in, all over the world. What a blessing. And we can be thankful for that. But ultimately, our goal should be the final blessing, the final thing He promises in the age to come, eternal life. And that means, just like we've been talking about, and this is another kind of recurring theme, we'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow night as well. We may not get everything we want in this life. Our life may not be what we expect, might not be what we want, but in the end it's going to be okay because we'll have that eternal life. And so what should we do? Like Hannah... Hannah prayed to God, and Hannah waited on God, and Hannah had patience, not knowing whether or not God would ever fulfill the promise, but she trusted in Him. And we can do the same thing. We can wait on God patiently, not knowing whether or not we'll receive the things that we might desire in this life, but that's okay because we have a better one coming, don't we? James chapter 5, verses 7 through 8 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. I didn't write this knowing that this would be very much true in this area this time. Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And how true is this? What a great blessing it is whenever... I'm not a farmer, but whenever farmers... Farm. I did some. I started doing some gardening, and uh, you know it's going okay. <laughs> but the hot sun beats down, and there's no rain, and you rely on the rain. And then finally, a day like today happens for some people, 
The clouds start to roll in, the winds start to blow, and the first drops come down. And you rejoice and are thankful for the rain, because that's your livelihood. How much greater will it be when the Lord returns? We go through our sin and sadness and sorrow and death and difficulty and pain in life. And we wait on the Lord. He may have been talking here about the end of a persecution, but I think the principle is very much this case for us as well. When we wait on the second coming of God, waiting patiently, is that your attitude? Is that my attitude? Or do we complain to God and not give God the glory not give God the praise, not thank Him for all the good blessings we have in our life. And there are so many ways that we can and should praise and glorify God. You know, when's the last time you stopped and counted your blessings? A while back, I was sick, and I don't know, I, I'm going to tell myself a little bit. I, I had some kind of illness where I had a fever and stomach ache and pain, and I was just miserable. I mean... You know, was, I'm probably being a big wimp, but I was rolling around on the bed just, man, in awful pain, and I had no relief, and nothing was making me feel any better. And then I got to thinking about that song, and again, this is so trivial, such a silly thing, but, you know, count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you till your journey's end. And I started thinking about my blessings in my life and all the good things that God has done for me. And I, I couldn't even begin to count them all, but I just started thinking about that and praying to God and thanking Him for those good things. And that gave me some comfort. When's the last time, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but when's the last time you and I do that? I don't do that near often enough. Do we praise and glorify God and thank Him for all the good things that He's done? And there's so many things, whether we recognize that or whether or not we're willing to admit it, that God has done for each and every one of us. Like Hannah and Mary, you can praise Him directly in your prayers. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Therefore by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Do you praise God in your prayers? Do you sincerely praise God in your prayers? Do you mean it when you praise and glorify and magnify God? Or are those just words that you say because you're supposed to say words of praise? What about your songs? Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. One verse, four sing praises. Do you sing praises to God sincerely from the heart? What a great blessing. What a great opportunity to praise and glorify God for His holiness and for His righteousness and for all His blessings. You can praise Him by giving and serving others, by obeying Him, by everything that you do. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as of the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let the glory of His name be the passion of the church. All things God needs to be glorified through Jesus Christ. So whatever you do, whether you minister, whether you speak, whether you sing, whether you give, whatever ability God supplies, do it all to His glory. Do it completely and from your full heart and mind and spirit and soul. Is that your attitude? Is that your mindset? Or sometimes we just kind of go through the motions when we sing our praises, when we pray to God, when we minister, when we give, when we speak. Devote yourself fully to Him. 
honor him and make sure everything you do is to his name and his honor and his glory. The last thing I want to talk to you about tonight is a warning. And we see in both of these mothers' prayers a warning that if we exalt ourselves up against God and we lift ourselves up with pride and we resist him and resist his people, we will be brought low either in this life or in the next eventually if we resist God and turn against him. There's a grave warning against pride and pride is the downfall of so many people. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's the downfall of so many people who usually say one of two things. Whether or not they say it, they do it. One is, I don't have to do things God's way because I know a better way. I'm going to do it my way and I don't have to follow God. Or, look how great I am. Look how much better I am than so-and-so. Look how wonderful I am, that I am so righteous, I am so good, I do all these things. And we may not say that. I mean, who says that? Some people do. I guess the, the person who prayed, you know, look how righteous I am. He prayed that. But usually we don't do that. But sometimes we let the seeds of that get into our mind and get into our heart. We start to think that way. And it grows and it germinates and it becomes a, a big plant. And eventually our heart is overtaken in pride. And it's all too easy to let those little seeds fall into the cracks if we don't fill our heart with humility and humbleness and trust completely in God. And so in order to guard against that, I encourage you to think about and consider each and every day whether or not you're fully and completely devoted to God and glorifying Him, or if there's little seeds of glorifying Nathan, or glorifying Jason, or Brother Ty, or whoever it might be. Is it about me, or is it about God? What does the Bible say we should do? I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ live, lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about glorifying Him. We sing that song almost every night. And Blakely could then probably sing it. I don't know. And we just sing that, you know, but it has meaning. We should remember that. We should live that. It's not Nathan. It's not about me. It's not an ounce of pride. It's complete and absolute surrender and trust and, and glorying in God, not myself. Do not let pride be your downfall because it will come in the end. It will destroy you. And I think there's a lot we can learn from continuing to study these prayers. We're going to stop there tonight. But these two amazing women of faith teach us so much about how to glorify and praise God, how to wait for Him patiently and hope, how to trust in Him, how to submit ourselves fully to Him. And ultimately, we can again look to the example of the one that Mary was praising God for, Jesus. And his example of humility and not lifting, not being about him, but of being about glorifying God and how he came to the earth, left the throne of heaven, became a man, humbled himself, lived a, a life of sorrow and pain, but lived it perfectly and sinless and went to the cross dying for our sins, was buried, was resurrected, giving us a hope of our own resurrection where we can be with God forever and glorify Him for all eternity. Be like Jesus and be like these women who, 
in their way were, were like Jesus, and they trusted and submitted to God and, and taught about His mercy on those who are, who are in need and in His glory and His holiness and how wonderful and majestic He is. Praise Him in your songs, in your prayers, in everything you do. Do it to the glory of God because it's not about me, it's about Him, it's about Christ. Hopefully that's your attitude, and if it's not, then why not make a change today? Why not cast out those seeds of pride and those seeds of, of not praising glorifying God from our heart and, and, and sincerely trusting in Him and make a decision that you're going to completely and fully hide yourself in Christ. It's no longer I who live. Make that decision today and let that be your, your mantra. Let that be your way of living your life. It's not about me. It's about God and what I can do to glorify Him. We can pray with you and for you. We can help you. Or if you're not a Christian this evening, you want to submit yourself. You need to submit yourself fully over to God and accept the wonderful blessing that God has given you and having the opportunity to have your sins washed away through His blood. What a great blessing. You can have that tonight. We can help you. If you want to follow those steps which are necessary to become a child of God, submit yourself to Him, completely surrender your life and your thoughts and your deeds and actions to Him, we can help you tonight. Let us help you. Come forward as we stand and sing.